This is a podcast from the Business Times. We've all heard how the crypto space has been called the wild, wild west, even the more tame part, stablecoin. Bitcoin has resuscitated to the 30,000 US dollar a coin mark recently, doubling since it crashed to a low of 15,000 in the wake of FTX's implosion in November. But is regulation going to ramp up so the space is less volatile? And just because the arguably most stable digital asset is regaining ground, is now the time to go back in? Plus, in the space of the few weeks we've been poking around, some say it looks and feels like crypto has lost its shine for institutional investors. But their interest is still there to stay and may even be maturing. And shares of cryptocurrency and blockchain-related companies have fallen after Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, halted its Bitcoin withdrawals for a spell. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm Howie Lim. And we get help from Justin Lim, Director of Business Development at digital wallet infrastructure provider Liminal. Cryptocurrency trading activity has dwindled, even as Bitcoin enjoys its longest winning streak in more than two years. Meme coins have soared as crypto giants stumble amid mixed market signals in Asia. So much as the Bitcoin rally looks promising thus far, I'm sure many still remember how painful it's been since Terra Luna, FTX and the like. And now with bank failures adding salt to wounds, what's changed though to have caused this rally? We all have to see that it's part of a context. So we see that this rally is actually back to the same levels this time last year before the Terra Luna collapse. And that happened actually in June and then followed by FTX in November, of course. So you also see that at the beginning of 2022, the market was already in a bear market, having dropped from the peaks in 2021. So this is just a reminder that it's about risk management. And what's changed since then, I guess, is what we call uh, industry shakeout of players who did not have strong fundamentals who didn't manage their risk properly, overexposure to FTX as well as to all the uh, domino effects thereafter. So these companies would fall out. And now we are seeing the projects that have survived, the companies that have strong fundamentals, they are still around, they have survived and they will now thrive. So the industry as a whole, this is not just about crypto trading, but it's about the digital asset industry as a whole. It's still at a nascent stage. So these kind of effects have compounding effects and they will knock companies out of the competition. And we've seen some um, regulators, especially like in the US, SEC, they're doing regulation by enforcement. So it just means that people are trying to figure out what's going on. And regulators are now trying to fix what they perceive as uh, market weaknesses. So what we can all learn from this is that just like any other industry, we need to have sufficient understanding of the risk involved. And there's always uh, ups and downs. Sure, Singapore and Hong Kong, Asia's financial giants, have always been ahead of the curve and have been driving interest in global digital assets. But is that reassuring enough for investors? Apparently it is. More than 90% of family offices and high net worth individuals in Hong Kong and Singapore are interested in digital assets, with 58% already investing in them and 34% planning to do so. Is 2023 the year these two global financial hubs will come to the fore as leaders in digital asset investments? Still, some might not be convinced. Business Times, in fact, had published an article back in November 2021 with uh, Singapore having grand plans and ambitions to become a global crypto hub. And we have been acting on that. It's just that, like I said, since 2021, which was nearing the end of the uh, bull market, Singapore had these plans, but these were all sort of put on hold. I wouldn't say derail because of what's happened last year. So with that in mind, I think we are still on track 
to see that we are leading the region in terms of growth and regulations. And now we've seen Hong Kong stepping out onto the stage as well. So Singapore has always been pro-innovation. Um, it's always been the mantra was that no to crypto speculation, but yes to blockchain as well as the perceived benefits. And we have seen that push by government bodies. Some of them are investing in this industry as well. And we have also been cautious. We are not being led by the nose, but I think MES actually has a good understanding of the risk involved. Hence, we are taking measured steps to grow in line with what we see in the industry. Hence, you have that Payment Services Act and the licensing and the setting up of quite a few companies in Singapore. Now, moving over to Hong Kong, of course, Hong Kong was the light in contrast to what's happening in mainland China, where they were cracking down on cryptocurrency as well as speculation. So Hong Kong is like a beacon of light in this. And just recently, I think they announced new rules that's going to happen in June this year, where the virtual asset service provider licensing by the Securities and Futures Commission, that will take effect. With licensing, then comes the platform of opportunities for growth. And they were also looking at stablecoin regulation, I think either this year or next year. So what it means to investors, to the market in general, is that with such frameworks being established, more measured steps being put into place, comes more clarity. And it's always about balance, balancing growth opportunities against risk. This will then ultimately lead to safety and reassurance for you know, like investments to flow in, businesses to start to grow. And I think Hong Kong and Singapore, especially because they are already traditional finance hubs, so strong reputation, strong regulations in place. So this will bode well for the industry as a whole. What's shifted in the markets with regard to digital asset investment? What kind of upcoming boom are we talking about? Because at the time of recording this podcast, the US Securities and Exchange Commission accused crypto exchange Bittrex of operating an unregistered securities exchange. As a result, Bittrex filed for bankruptcy protection on the 8th of May. I think it's all to do with adoption and familiarity, right? So what I personally see if I'm looking at crypto news providers, it's always been about covering what's happening in the market, not just the collapses, but also the groves, you know, the recent upgrades to Ethereum blockchain, things like that. But what we see more in the traditional news outlets then show more of these kind of spectacular collapses. So we are still in the nascent stage, so blow-ups will be covered more. And hence, outsiders' perception would they will just see the blow-ups. They will see the risk. They will see that, oh, signature bank collapsed because of crypto and things like that. So these are the things that as the industry grows, the perception will then shift from, okay, it's not just about the risk, but it's also about the growth opportunities. So as the industry matures, it is not just about cryptocurrency trading, which is like trading digital assets for gains, but we talk about blockchain technology and what could be utilized. As a bigger picture, blockchain allows tokenization of assets. It's not just about trading, but let's say physical assets like property. What previously people need to invest would be even under the rates. But now with tokenization of an entire property, you can own not just trust, but you actually own part of the actual building. And also we've seen tokenization of intellectual property, songs, art. And I think one useful case, obviously as a consumer of music myself, um, you've seen artists not able to reap the full benefits of the intellectual property because every time they release a song, it gets pirated somewhere else. So with tokenization, everything being on blockchain, when the royalty to a song or a piece of art is resold and resold multiple times, this leaves that trail as well as the royalty payments could go back to the artist. So I think with that, 
adoption, it is no longer just about crypto trading, speculation and risk. It's also about how such assets, as I mentioned, they can grow in the future. And what it means to investors will be diversification, increase of alternative options available. So we'll see both embracement as well as enforcement. Still to come, is now really the time to invest in digital assets? And where are the opportunities and risks? Senior correspondent Ben Paul shares his analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Mark to Market every second Monday of the month with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. It sounds as though digital assets have gotten a lot of bad press. Could that be the problem? Well, I wouldn't call it a problem. I would just think it's about what is picked up by people viewing the industry from outside. So I guess maybe bad press, bad news travel faster. And like I said, this is still a relatively new industry. They will just see the you know spectacular falls. They will see the regulation done by authorities, which are slightly negative in nature. So this is what people will see from the beginning. But I'm a firm believer as the industry progresses, they will start to see the benefits as well. Good things will be reported. Uh, regulation is done by people who they themselves need to be updated of this as well. So I think one example in point would be the recent TikTok case. This is Web2 technology that everyone's already familiar with, but yet you're dealing with some of the senators who still require to be updated of this. So the trick is how do regulators regulate an industry which they themselves do not have much knowledge about? Then it comes down to having conversations, studies. They themselves need to be updated of this technology and then how, what is the impact of this on you know, markets in general? Because their job as regulators is not to stifle progress, but is to allow it to develop in a measured way. So I think it's about reaching common ground. With some territories ramping up regulation, how does that affect investor sentiment and their re-entry or entry timelines? After all, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission still refuses to define digital assets. What's happening over in the U.S. with the SEC, so we are seeing the outflow of companies that are exiting the U.S. market because Coinbase is challenging. They are forcing the SEC to answer what exactly do they mean? And exactly because SEC themselves, they're not very sure, is it a security? Is it an asset? Is it a commodity? They don't want to make the call because there will mean implications on all the other digital assets in the space. So we have seen actually a very good example of if regulation is cloudy, and in this case, they're doing regulation by enforcement, which means something like slap on the hand if the hand stretches for something and not stating the boundaries where people can do business in. We are seeing the outflow. Kraken is exiting. Coinbase is exiting. I think Bittrex has also folded up its operations in the US. So you will see the outflow and places where regulations will become clearer in the future and where investors will gain more confidence. I think this will then attract, uh, and this is an opportunity for us all, this will attract companies coming to this space. And we've seen that across the region as well. So other than uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, I think regulations are also getting clearer in Indonesia, in Korea, so on and so forth. So what this means to investors' entry and re-entry, it means that some may decide to jump in first, take measured risks, of course, but they will then seize market share. The risk, of course, is to evolve in line with developing regulations to keep up, but they will then gain the market share. For the rest, if um, they want things to be clearer before they come in. It may delay these uh, entry and re-entry points, but if regulators become clearer, 
it will give greater confidence by the time they decide that, okay, now is the right time for us to enter this market because you know the framework is in place or the regulations in place. It's favorable now. These are the kind of decisions that will allow investors to decide to come in, to invest in companies, and will then encourage more growth. Ah, so we're talking about capitalizing on the advantages of being first movers or early adopters and muscling in on market share. That comes with risk, though. What should investors look out for when it comes to considering digital assets as part of their portfolios? The following does not constitute financial advice. But <laughs> the thing is, I think we are looking at, you know, with the rally as we started this conversation, we are already back at this point last year before the collapse as well. So I wouldn't say we are out of the woods yet, but it does seem promising. And everybody in the market that I've spoken to, we are poised for growth to see it happening in 2024 next year. So I think there's also a Bitcoin halving next year, which historically links to growth. So we are expecting that. But back to our point about how and why, especially with crypto, which is like a magnified form of asset trading, just like any others, but there's more volatility. So take measured risk, understand the purpose, because it's not just about the price of the digital asset, but these digital assets were created for a purpose. So some of them are really like currencies, but some of them are really as part of a, let's say, project or a blockchain project or development. So there are larger purposes behind these assets. So it's just like any other investment, you need to understand the underlying purpose and projects by nature as well. They release white papers, they share what they are doing with the outside world to encourage investors as well, of course, and participation. So it's just to read up, to understand what you're going to keep your eyes open and of course, get ready for the bull market next year. But if it's just bad press it's getting, how can investors be sure the information out there is worth looking at or believing? And how can we do proper due diligence? Exactly. So if you're unable to do your due diligence and yet you still want to proceed, then just like any other risky investment, a percentage of your portfolio will involve a risky investment. So these are the ones that high risk, high gains. It's always about putting in your investment in such riskier asset classes probably with funds you're prepared to lose rather than pumping everything and speculating. So that's the pit. With that in mind, we have seen cryptocurrencies able to provide such high gains. So this is a time where you need to do our due diligence, see beyond what we have seen like celebrity endorsements, right? We have seen uh, influencers. You have to see beyond the noise, beyond the clutter of such promotions, and you've got to look at the fundamentals. So you've got to understand tokenomics or the dynamics between the issuer, the token, the token price. Then you can take measured risk, measured steps if you think something's going to appreciate or depreciate. So that's number one. You've also got to understand how the entire supply flows for any particular token or project. So knowing how it is managed, what is the backdrop, how is it issued. Some tokens are burned, which means that they are removed from circulation. Others are not. And then there are just more and more tokens we minted. So you need to understand the demand and supply and the flow of these assets. Then you can project how this is going to be in the future. And last but not least, I think it's about transparency. Certain projects, they probably only have a website, they have a white paper and little else. So again, you've got to see what is in the community. Who else is doing this? Is it just a group of people motivated by influencers or they're just in it for what we call pump and dump? Influencers coming in to speak highly of something, the price goes up, they pump it up and then they exit and they dump it. If it smells or looks like something like that, but it doesn't have any strong fundamentals, then of course you've got to be aware of such risk. 
We've been discussing whether we can look forward to a bull run of digital assets soon. Big thanks to Justin Lim, Director of Business Development at Liminal. From the Business Times, this has been Money Hacks. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.